2: Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone doing? Another week, another episode. This is Stats Over Politics. I'm back, everyone. I was gone last week. Felt bad about it, but I have returned. Gary is feeling a little under the weather this week, so we're going to be missing Gary this week. But the rest of the crew is here on Stats Over Politics, episode number 59. I'm Sean Holko, alongside Kevin Dent and Jay Montati Kevin, I would imagine that you're feeling pretty great right now. I'm doing
3: well, man. I cannot complain. But all football aside, as everyone knows, all the day one listeners, there's always a dog barking in the background. That is my son, Blue. It is his first birthday today. So it's been a it's been a surreal day, man, seeing your dog age and just to see how fast time truly goes. And I know I'm not a real parent and, you know, this time next year, Toddie will have the same experience with his. But, you know, it just seems so fast. The time's going by so much faster than it really is. And to see him be one years old, man, is, is crazy to think
2: time flies happy birthday blue that's awesome yeah I I have a similar experience where I, I brought my dog home when he was six weeks old and uh, when he hit his first birthday it was a huge milestone and now my dog's almost 12 so time's gonna fly by for you I could imagine um, and so uh, value that time Toddy, how how are we doing where was the weekend good to you with with the bets never better right never
1: better thank thank you 49ers.
2: Uh, well, I, I take that as no, it did not, unfortunately. And uh, I think the hotline the, actually did all right. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad. I'm glad the hotline did well. So that that's good to hear. And so we're gonna get to Vani's hotline here on episode number 59 of Stats for <sighs> Politics. But first, we gotta get into the big news of the weekend, and that is the fact that the San Francisco 49ers lost their third game in a row after starting the season 5-0, and as the Bengals beat the 49ers 31-17. to Toddie, I'm going to toss it to you first, as the other 49ers fan on this panel, and Kevin, if you'd like me to give my two cents on this as well, because I did miss last week in another loss against the Vikings, and Kirk Cousins, feel bad for him now since what's happened in the last week, but he beat the Niners, and so... It's been, it's been a rough couple weeks, Jayvon, for us as 49ers fans, and, and I saw your comments both on the podcast last week but also on Instagram that hopefully Kevin and all the haters, they will rue the day, and the Niners, they will come back and they will uh, redeem themselves. But how are you feeling after a third straight loss for the San Francisco 49ers, Jayvon?
1: Not good. Um, have they figured us out? Is the jig up?
2: <laughs> I guess so. On
1: everybody else. To where it's like, all right, the jig is up, guys. This was a nice little ride that you had. The magic dust is starting to wear off because the clock's starting to strike midnight. Is he starting to? Is Prince Charming turning into a frog? Is this actually happening right now? Is Fiona turning into back into an ogre? Is this actually happening?
3: I love it. I love Um, it. I love it, Toddy.
1: It's it's beginning to get frustrating because. He was a guy, uh, he being Brock Purdy, a guy that, you know, values and not turning the ball over, taking care of the ball, having a good touchdown to turnover ratio, good QBR, um, and just basically running the offense, staying within, and, you know, being able to take care of the ball. Um, Yeah, like in the past, in in each loss, he's had a turnover, um, whether that's a fumble or he's throwing it to the other team, dead dead in the hands. So it's, it, it's kind of just getting to the point where, like, what are you seeing on the field that's a, that's causing you to go back to the same exact thing? And you're constantly throwing it to the and, – and it, and it usually happens, like, in the middle of the field. But just the interception that he had in the red zone was just god-awful. Like, those are things that cannot happen at all. Like, when I say <laughs> – like, just throw the ball away. <laughs> like, you don't even – He was scrambling around. He had – Brock Purdy gets a lot of – I feel like doesn't really get a lot of credit for the type of athlete that he is and from him using his legs. I thought he used his legs fairly well this past game. Um, But for him in the red zone to throw that, like, why would you even throw that? Just get out of bounds, take whatever – you cannot turn the ball over in the red zone. Um, I mean, that's just pretty much – I mean, I wouldn't say that he played bad. He threw for 360. Plus, (laughs) Plus, <laughs> like, like you know, his, whether you know whether that's him going over the, the middle of the field, guys are wide open, there's yak yards involved with that. Um, I wouldn't say they played bad. I just think that his turnovers are so bad that it's outweighing pretty much his whole entire performance because these are game-changing interceptions. Like, when you turn the ball over, Joe Burrow, like, first of all, the Niners can't stop. They can't hold water. If you, they couldn't stop the Titanic from sinking in the ocean. Like it's, it's getting to a point where guys are saying that Steve Wilkes, like they're calling for Steve Wilkes a job and to where like, he's going into the, to the booth to call plays. And they're saying, well, he needs to be on the sidelines because he needs to be able to see the field better. I don't know. I don't know. Cause usually if people that go into the booth, it's usually, you know, defensive coordinators, depending on how – whatever their feel for the game is, they're usually on the field. But some people call it better in the booth. Um, But that's neither here nor there. But Steve Wilkes, I just – how can this team be that bad on defense from what I saw? It's literally the exact same defense from last year, if not better. If not better. The talent on the defense is there. And when you just see guys going up and down on the field, like Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, PJ Walker moved the ball on us. So it's just like – I get Brock Purdy starting the ball over. That's not good. That's actually really bad. That's, I feel like that's half of the reason why we're losing all these games. But when the defense is just getting, when this, the defense can't stop anybody and they're just getting the ball moved on them up and down the field, it's very alarming. And when you have guys like Fred Warner, uh, Nick Post, who just signed a massive contract, um, you know, Javon Hargrave, you signed to a massive contract, can't get pressure on the quarterback, and you're having to constantly send blitzes. I'm just like, why are we, we shouldn't even be having to have to do that? And I was, I even saw on a Richard Sherman's podcast and said something about um, Steve Wilkes used to be a defensive back coach and saying that he's not used to um, just have getting, you know, pressure on the quarterback and just having to send blitzes all the time. So he's not really accustomed to um, not having to blitz as much because he's used to everything on the back end. So, it's it's very frustrating because the quarterback who by all standards i mean how many starts does barkley have like 13 14 like 15 something like 15. that so um almost full season um under his belt so it's it's not like hey like this is something like we can't, you, you can't turn the ball over man and i that's just if you turn the ball over multiple times in the nfl like 2 3 times that's for anybody in the league we even look at mahomes this past weekend, who couldn't even score a touchdown mm-hmm. this past weekend, and he's turning the ball over. You're not going to be able to win. It doesn't matter who you play. They beat the Broncos this past weekend. I'm pretty sure we'll get into that game later, but the quarterback can't turn the ball over, man. And it, it It's not. And a combination of turning the ball over and your defense can't stop anybody, you're not going to win football games. And I don't know what the 49ers need to do because I'm just – kind of over it. Um, as far as betting goes for the San Francisco 49ers, I'm the, they're on the shit list, man. I, I, I can't, you can't bet them. Um, you can't bet them during the spread. I mean, shit, are we going to be favored against Jacksonville after the, after oh. bye week? I don't know, um, the way that they've been playing. So it's, it's frustrating because you're looking at, you know, the teams like, um, we're second in the division, Seattle's number one in the division. You just saw the Lions coming off a Monday night victory. They're 6-2. and two. So you're kind of looking at, you know, the other guys kind of coming up and say like, all right, hey, maybe first place isn't as locked up as it is. Second place isn't as locked up as it is. Um, we can have home field advantage during the playoffs. And, man, it's just going to come down to can the Niners, you know, pick themselves up by the bootstraps, figure out what's wrong with the defense and can they not turn the ball over. So... Um, it's just it's very frustrating because this is third game in a row when any team loses three games in a row in the nfl it's just like whoa like what's wrong what's going on in san francisco i feel like the whole league is kind of put on notice like what? what happened (laughs) is this the same team that played dallas on sunday night football and absolutely trounced them 42 to 10 this is a totally different team so I don't know, man. It's just its very frustrating from a gambling perspective and from an actual 49er perspective. It's very frustrating. One of the best teams in the league can't win a game, can't get stops, can't not turn the ball over. I just, I don't know.
2: I completely agree. I've been very frustrated. Um, I went to my mom's house to watch the second half of the game yesterday, and when I got there, she's like, Sean, what's wrong with you? And when I got there, I felt fine. Like I didn't feel like anything was wrong with me, but I guess she could just tell that my mood was off. And it was likely because I just watched the first half of that 49ers game against the Bengals and just the failed opportunities that they had. And it it was frustrating. And so now, Kevin, uh, I'm going to bring this to you because a couple weeks ago, uh, to be precise, actually about a month ago, about four weeks ago, the Eagles got to 4-0. They beat the Commanders in overtime. Eagles got to 4-0. And I asked you, should Eagles fans be concerned? Now now let's flip it. Flip, flip it on Jayvon and I. Because now, rather than getting four ugly wins like the Eagles did, and that's why I was asking you, should you be concerned as an Eagles fan, the 49ers have actually lost three games in a row. And so for you, Kevin, as an Eagles fan, from the outsider's perspective, should us 49ers fans be concerned by this three-game losing streak, or is it kind of just an anomaly?
3: No, you definitely need to be concerned, you know.
2: Toddy, I'm going
3: to ask you a question. What do they call the guy that's picked? Oh, he's not paying attention. Sean, what nope. do they call the last person drafted in the in the NFL draft? Mr. Irrelevant. That's his name, Mr. Irrelevant. I told everybody all season long, this Disney Channel movie is going to have to come to an end at some point, and we, it's continuous to the downward spiral. When you guys are ahead, Brock Purdy has six touchdowns to zero interceptions. When you guys are trailing, it is zero touchdowns to five picks and one fumble. Brock Purdy, we always talk about him being a system quarterback. When all things are going right, Brock Purdy's got to go out there and be successful. When things are not going right, we're going to see his true colors. Last game, everyone said that the second half was all because he was concussed, A, B, C, and D. We're going to throw that in the drain for this game, for him to consistently – Throw you guys under the game. Throw you guys under the bus. His last three games, he's thrown for 762 yards, five interceptions, one fumble, and three touchdowns. Sacked six times, and all of those games are without Trent Williams. So it it's it's really looking, you could talk about the offense, but let's talk about the defense. We ain't seen this defense show up since the Steelers game, if if we're being honest. You guys, we t- talked about the guys that you guys have on this team. Javon Hargrave had three sacks that game. Everyone has sacks this game. Sean, I don't know if you really caught this line from Toddy last week, but Skims boy, he, he was too worried about the Skims boy. I thought we also always saw before the games, always saw on Twitter, he was trending. I'm thinking there's another p- a pregame fight, but no. All they're talking about is him signing this skim's deal. And Sean, you missed it last weekend, man. We had a special appearance by get our guest Wes. I saw him yeah. on here and just let it know to be known to be Toddy. Before the show started, Toddy caught me talking to Wes. I'm like, right, uh, gonna let you it know it when to come on. And then Toddy came, I was like, I right, don't hang up, hang up. And he goes, So who are you talking to? I was like, Oh, nobody. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I set the mood for this. But to the original question, should Niner fans be worried? Yes, because it only gets worse. We have the red-hot Jacksonville Jags coming in, and you guys are going on. Is it in Jacksonville, I believe?
1: Yes, I think so. Way.
3: So Jacksonville is leading the NFL in takeaways, and Trevor Lawrence uh, at home this year. this last five games, 240 yards per game, six touchdowns to two interceptions with a 70% completion rate. The Jags are playing great right now. We're starting to see the emergence of this offense and what we thought they can be. And the last thing I'm gonna say on this before I let pass it off is, the Eagles were four and zero playing bad, and there was a Super Bowl hangover. You guys lost three games there row. Is there a NFC Championship game hangover? I just I don't know, but Niner fans should definitely be worried.
2: So I'm going to attribute most of this to the fact that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are missing, and I know that that's a cop out. I get it, but Trent Williams isn't one of the best linemen in the NFL. He's not one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He's the best by far. Like it's not even close. So you're missing by exactly arguably ever in the game of football period. And so you're missing arguably the greatest lineman, offensive lineman in NFL history. And then you're missing one of your top playmakers who's so versatile that they had to create another name of a position and call him a wide back because he was so much of a wide receiver and a running back. And so, (sighs) to me, I I won't be concerned. Like, number one, I'm trying not to overreact. I'm trying not to live in the moment too much and just focus on the fact that they're on a three-game losing streak because of those two players missing. If everyone was out there, then I would be genuinely concerned. But until the 40 – Three and five, I, yeah. think. I well, think. I think even think I think he even or got or to three and five.
3: Yeah. Because
2: um... I, and I believe I could be thinking, I believe that I'm thinking about 2022 because I went to a 49ers game on Monday Night Football against the Rams. And I believe that was last season when they were three and five. And at that point, I was like, all right, we're about to get smacked by the Rams. The Rams were the reigning oh. Super Bowl champions. Yep, and then the 49ers upset them on Monday Night Football. And then they went on that streak. And they finished the season like something like 11 and five or, or uh, 12 and five. And so it's possible. I'm not going to overreact. Like, we're technically not even halfway through the season. It's now 17 games every season. So we're through eight games, and the 49ers have a five and three record. If they started the season, Kevin, three and two, and now they got to five and three, I'd be feeling great. I mean, last season, as Jayvon and I just mentioned, they were three and five. So I'm feeling optimistic because it feels like it's gone so bad but yet here they are at five and three and until they get those two playmakers back i won't start to be concerned
1: i feel like um the last two games that we played like the browns game at the end that should have been a game that we won uh the vikings game it was like we had a chance to win it I feel like that also should have been a game to win. I feel like this game, we got our ass kicked. Like, it wasn't close. Um, the score doesn't really reflect that how bad it actually was. But we got our ass drugged up and down the field the entire game. Um, yeah. And Purdy played bad. I wouldn't say bad. He played – like, he was part of the reason why we lost this game. And I would also say that for the Vikings game and for the and for the Browns game. So – just how close I feel like the last two games were like, we actually had a chance to win those games. I feel like this game, it was like, all right, we got drugged, whether if, you know, it was, it's very frustrating. We, I can't remember the last time we lost three games in a row, it's probably going back a few years when Kyle Shanahan probably first started out um, back in uh, 2017, so. We gotta figure out. we gotta figure this shit out. I mean, um the, the Cowboys have a better record than us right now. So it's um it's a humbling week. We're going into the bye week. We gotta we gotta figure out what we need to do. Do we need to make some moves? Um tomorrow's trailer in line. so um Kev's been going back and forth saying that the Eagles are gonna get certain the, the Eagles get certain I'm gonna freaking
3: cry. I'm gonna throw up. Um I'm gonna name my son Howie. Uh, my first already- kid, boy or girl, <laughs> will be named Howie.
1: They they already uh, added Kevin Byard um, to the secondary um, this past week, so we'll see if what the Niners do at the trade deadline. If we make any moves, if nothing happens, people stay put. I've been seeing that the Commanders, as one of the announcers said over the weekend, the Commandos um, were they're having a sale, I guess a fire sale. Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Younger are on the market apparently, so we'll see if the Niners make any any. Moves at that. Um, do they fire Steve Wilkes? I'm not sure. Um, a lot of people are kind of calling for his head. Kyle seemed visibly frustrated at the – I just don't understand how bad this defense can be. Like, this is literally the, the exact same defense, if not better, as I've already said uh, previously on the podcast, because this defense last year was, like, the best defense in football. And now we can't stop anybody.
2: Well, I, I want to make a counterpoint to that. and. Gary's not here. So someone has to play devil's advocate because I understand the point you're trying to make there Javon. but also what we got to keep in mind is when the 49ers went from Robert Sala to D'Amico Ryans as their new defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans was already in the system. He was already in the building for like four or five years at that point. He started as like a low level assistant, became the linebackers coach, and then eventually got to defensive coordinator. And so D'Amico was already in the building. The guys already knew him. They already believed in him versus a Steve Wilkes. He was in Carolina last year. He was the interim head coach in Carolina, arguably should have gotten that position, but then it went to Frank. Bennett. And so I would attribute it more so to the fact that it's just a new defensive coordinator and you can't keep constantly in the 49ers are having turnover for all the right reasons. Like all of these guys, whether if it be D'Amico and Robert Sala going on to be head coaches, or even a Mike McDaniel going on to be a head coach, it's positives why these coaches are leaving the 49ers, but it does create turnover and less continuity and chemistry. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit with the 49ers defense. And so, I would attribute that to be the reason as to why the defense has struggled in these last three weeks. But also I'm really just looking at the 49 49ers missing two of their best players. I know they have a lot of great playmakers, but as Manny says on the YouTube comments, Debo is your most important playmaker. And I would agree with him because even though Christian McCaffrey scored a touchdown in this game against the Bengals for his 17th straight game with a touchdown, which tied an NFL record, Next week, he's likely going to break that record for a consecutive touchdown streak. And after so, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, after next week, because the 49ers are having a bye week this upcoming week. Thank you, Jayvon. And that, that leads me to my last point, which is that early buys, I would consider this an early buy in week nine. Actually, it's not actually early, that's literally at the exact midpoint of the season. So, it's actually probably the perfect time for a buy, even if they weren't on a slump. And so now, yeah, it's unfortunate that the 49ers have to have three losses in a row sitting with them for two weeks. But I think this is good for them. It gets the, gives them a chance to regroup, re- reset, and then attack the second half of the season. Let's get a majority of the win so then they can be a high seed. It looks like if Philadelphia keeps cruising, and Kevin, I'm sure, thinks that they will, then Philly will end up with the number one seed again and the only first round by. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, something else that uh, Kaz mentioned in the YouTube comments is that Hertz was banged up and stepped up and played phenomenal. Purdy has a bit of adversity mixed with injury, and he plays atrocious. There's levels to greatness. I well, don't even
1: say anything
3: about Jalen Hurts,
2: though. That's the great. <laughs> well, No one said I mean, anything yeah, about Jalen Hurts. We get it. No one Jaylen, said anything about Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it. but you know how it is. You know how it is, Jayvon. It's, it's got to be uh, 100 oh, degrees of Eagles. I mean, I'm sure Kevin would have thought the same thing, thinking of things from the Eagles fan perspective. It's understandable. Um, because that's how I think of things all the time, is from the 49ers fan perspective. Nevertheless, striking. 49ers lost their third game in a row. I think it's the perfect time for the bye week, uh, as Javon said. Shouldn't have lost that uh, that Browns game. Moody's kind of the reason why they lost that one. They kind of just got beat by the Vikings, and the Vi- Vikings were playing really well, which is why it's upsetting that Kirk Cousins is now out for the season. Um, and then well. the, Bengals, the Bengals are playing well, too. Like Joe Burrow seems to finally be healthy, and. He had himself a day against the Niners. Like he threw 19 consecutive pass attempts uh, or 19 consecutive completions in this game, which set a new career high for himself. He finished 28 of 32 for 326 total yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Joe Burrow has eight touchdowns in his last three games. So he's playing very well. And uh, as Kevin mentioned, well, uh, Kevin mentioned something similar that in his first five games of the season, Brock Purdy had 11 total touchdowns, zero interceptions. Niners had a 5-0 and record. Since they are 0-3, he has three total touchdowns and five interceptions. That ain't good, so he's got to get it right, and he has the bye week to refocus and readjust. So before we get to the number one team in the NFC being the Philadelphia Eagles, we got to talk about the former number one team in the AFC, being the Kansas City Chiefs, who are now at six and two after losing twenty-four to uh, excuse me, twenty-four to nine in Denver against the Broncos. This is the first time that the Broncos have defeated the Chiefs in sixteen games. It's been eight seasons. Patrick Mahomes had never lost on the road in the AFC West in his career. He had lost at home to a divisional opponent, but never lost on the road until yesterday as the Broncos finally break the streak and the Broncos beat the Chiefs 24-9. to Kevin, I know that Mahomes had the flu in this game, but it wasn't a Michael Jordan flu game. And so uh, what did you think of this outcome? Man, I knew once
3: they started listening to all the stats at the beginning of the game, it was going to be shaky. But I'll, I'll tell you what, when I was going through our picks and I saw that Toddy took the Broncos, I was like, he's on to something. But Toddy must know something. There's no, There's no way in hell. Like Sean mentioned, 16-0, eight seasons of getting your ass whooped twice a year. Patrick Mahomes never lost a road game in the AFC West, 12-0 coming in against the Broncos. And for him to go 24-38 with 241 yards and two picks, it looked bad. And I've been saying all year how this Chiefs defense, Chiefs offense runs through Travis Kelsey. If you can find a way to take Travis Kelsey away, this team is going to look subpar. We saw in the first game when they did not have him in uniform, they lost to the Lions, who's arguably one of the best teams in the NFC. I think the biggest takeaway from this season and last when you look at the Chiefs, it isn't the people that they lost because they have the same team besides Juju Smith Schuster and Miko Hartman for four or five games and he came back. The person that's missing is Eric Bieniemy. He was solely reasonable for this offense. You, you can say Andy Reid called the plays. You can say he was just, you know, Andy's henchman. But last year the Chiefs were number one in points per game, number one in yards per game, and number one in yards passing per game. This year, they ranked 12, 19, and 3. This offense has been struggling. It's really been Travis Kelsey-centric. We saw a lot of young guys. We saw five. You can't have five turnovers in any game like Toddy mentioned with the Niners. You turn the ball over five times, you're going to lose the game. Miko Harbin muffing the punt. Um, they... Uh, the uh, Sky Moore drops a pass right off his shoulder pads. So the Chiefs just aren't giving Mahomes enough. This offensive line, we've been talking about it since the Super Bowl against the Bucks has been subpar. You can't have all those orange jerseys in front of his face and expect him to come out and make these plays. We see it night in, night out. Travis, not Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes make those plays. But it's hard to make those plays every game. So the Chiefs have a lot of things to worry about, and the Broncos haven't been playing that bad, man. You know, it's time. It's weird to see Russ be this Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl to team leading his team to the Super Bowl, and now seeing him essentially be a game manager, completing twelve passes. Like it was all just nickel and dime. They were just whatever they can do to not have uh, Patrick Mahomes score was the way they went to win this game. We saw Jerry Judy finally score a touchdown in twenty four games. Courtland Sutton is continuing to have a good season, but this Broncos team, I don't know if this is a, a pan in the dust, if this is time for them to turn it around, but the way the AFC West looks, they can mess around and get a wild card.
2: Toddy, what do you think about this game? Uh is it, was it just because Patrick Mahomes had the flu? Is there or is there more to this?
1: Um I think it was kind of the humiliation on Thursday night football. And how there was like a a gap between the game that they played. It was like one game and then they were playing the Broncos again. Um, Turnover battle, Patrick Mahomes had two turnovers. I feel like the elements in this game were definitely element. And um, if you guys saw the, the, what the field looked like before, like in the morning time at mile high before like um, kickoff happened, it was covered in snow. They had to go over the field like four or five times I was hearing. Um, It was, I feel like, you know, and just the altitude in Denver. It's always weird to play in Denver. Um, Divisional opponent, you know, um, Sean Payton trying to kind of prove himself, not get swept by, you know, the Chiefs. And we get it. Patrick Mahomes was pretty much undefeated against the Broncos this whole career until uh, yesterday. So I think that, um, you know, everyone I feel like all good teams lose weird games um at some point in time during the season like last year we saw you know the Chiefs lost to who was it the Colts um the Eagles lost to um who was it the the Commanders Niners lost to the the Bears so there's always these weird games that really good teams they end up dropping throughout the season so I'm not really going to take too much from it. it's not something to panic over I feel like um Patrick Mahomes is, you know, health his illness probably did play a factor into it, um, but nevertheless he did throw for like 245 yards still. But um, yeah, I mean I'm not really gonna dive too much. Is Russ still cooking? Is he is he back? He threw three touchdowns. Uh, he was 12 for 14 though for like 114 yards. So <laughs> I'm not sure how how much cooking he really, he actually did. But um, saw Jerry Judy siding in this in this game. A lot of people, including Steve Smith have you know had some opinions about Jerry Judy and if you know teams should trade for him or you know how good of a receiver he actually is. You know, I, usually Alabama see Alabama receivers usually pan out. So for him to kind of get that slow start, maybe it just him and Russell Wilson really don't have that connection and he just might need a fresh start. But um I'm not really gonna dive too much into it. I still think the Broncos or not the Broncos, the Chiefs are the best team in the uh actually no. One of the one of the best teams in the AFC, I would say, because um I, I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC from my perspective. But I you know, it's Patrick Mahomes. Not really gonna think too much of it. If the Broncos played the the Chiefs like five more times, what did the Chiefs won? Like four out of those five times, I think.
2: Probably all five.
1: Yeah, they'll I guarantee you they'll be favored in all five of those games for sure. So um, yeah, not going to dive too much into it. I was kind of shocked that the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. Um, that was probably the most shocking thing of this whole yeah. spiel, that they, they couldn't score a touchdown. But um, not too worried about the Chiefs. They'll be in the playoffs, probably be the number one seed.
2: I completely agree. And before we move off of this game, I just wanted to highlight a, a YouTube a couple of YouTube comments real quickly. Kevin, uh, your friend Manny says, Russ is sizzling. Then he says, Russ not cooking, he just prepping. And so uh I wanted to ask Kevin a very important question before we move on from from this game. Meal prep rest, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh what I wanted to ask is did the Chiefs lose because Taylor Swift wasn't there, Kevin? Oh dude, man. I'm so tired of that narrative. <laughs> I'm
3: so tired of that narrative because I know when How she they are- is. man, go ahead. I- you know, you can't be wrong. You look at the stats when she's there, Travis Kelsey's balling out. So, I mean, the numbers don't line. It's called stats over politics. So I'd be a fool to come on here and say, you know, her being there doesn't help uh, them, you know, have some extra motivation to see up there, the Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes uh, connection. And then look up there and see your girlfriend and wife have their own handshake, you know, this, is the momentum. And a lot of people go to the games to see her. And then you see the narrative is, is Travis Kelsey making uh, Taylor Swift, more famous or vice versa. But I'm, I'm really tired of this narrative because if it was such a big deal, The Eagles had the first Kelsey Swift duo, but that's neither here nor there.
2: And I think Taylor Swift, before all of this, was actually a Philadelphia. She's from
3: Philly. I'm sure she's she's probably still is an Eagles fan, but she has to put on a front. I get it.
2: Well, I mean, she she picked the the wrong Kelsey. Maybe maybe she chose Kansas City because the other Kelsey brother was taken. Uh, But you you know. Had to had to ask you the very important question, Kevin, because you took the words right out of my mouth where they just kept showing that graphic where, like, Adam Schefter's tweeting about it. Every game, no matter what network it's on, they're showing the graphic, oh, here's Travis Kelsey's stats when she's here, here's his stats when they're not. I mean, stats over politics, it says it all right there. Um, anyways, now moving on to the best team in the NFC. That team being the Philadelphia Eagles, who beat the Commanders for the second time this season. Oh. Except this time, they did not need overtime as the Eagles beat the Commanders 38-31. to 31. Kevin, this is your account. The Eagles are now 7-1. and one. They keep on rolling. Easily could be 8-0, if not it's for a flip up Brown against 30. Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Nevertheless, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, Kevin, after eight <laughs> weeks. So uh, what did you think of their performance against a division rival? First half, subpar, subpar. For us to have two fumbles in, in
3: the or one fumble in the first half in the Reds and within the five-yard line, Kenneth Gainwell just dropping the ball. That would have changed the narrative of the first half. Or the, first, the narrative of the first half is the Commanders came in there and whipped our ass. Sam Howell in that first half for 227 yards, 24 of 26 with two touchdowns. He did finish 39-52 with one pick, so we were able to kind of slow him down. But this, this defense was answering the call for us when we needed it most. We saw Hassan Reddick come up late, getting the game-winning strip sack, which was huge for us because all night we, we really couldn't get to him. They were getting the ball out quick, like Sean First mentioned. The game. or like, like Toddie mentioned, actually. When you play these kind of games, divisional games are always hard. They know you inside and out. They know they're going to play twice a year, and we just played them a couple weeks ago. So they knew that our D-line was going to come up there and and make it hell for Sam Howell. Sam Howell Howell came in as one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. So they know for them to be successful, they have to get the ball out quick.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry,
2: sorry, we're
3: here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Terry McLaurin went out there and did his thing. It, it It was hard for us to watch because we, we've now had our eight different secondary starting lineup. So it's just been a revolving door. Toddy mentioned we bring it in, Kevin Byer, to hopefully help seal up that secondary. Reed Blankenship, I've been saying his name every week of this podcast. He continues to make plays everywhere. He's everywhere on the field. He's either leading us to tackles, he's getting a pick like he was able to. A big sign from this game was our offense. We were not able to run the ball. We've been coming in here week in and week out saying that this Eagles run game was the best in the NFL. We have now dropped to seventh in the NFL. But that's okay because when you have Julio Jones catching touchdowns, DeAndre that Swift was Julio catching, that, caught that, touchdown. that was Julio. Yeah, it sure was. DeAndre yeah. Swift scoring touchdowns, AJ Brown scoring touchdowns, Devontae Smith coming back. This was Jalen Hurts' second four touchdown game in his career. So Jalen Hurts is, they say, if you make him run, if you make him throw, you're going to have a chance to win. So for Jalen Hurts to come in here and show his, his dominance, it was really nice to see as an Eagles fan. But before I pass it on, I just have to formally let it be known to the world, the new owners of the Washington Commanders, Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. Over two games, Jalen Hurts, 679 total yards, six touchdowns, zero picks. AJ Brown. I know I know you guys didn't mention to see this. Emmanuel Ford's been benched since that AJ Brown game. Uh, AJ Brown in two games, 305 yards, four touchdowns, 17 catches. This offense is playing at a high level right now, whether it's the pass and the run. We would like to have more of a dynamic uh, battle or in the first of the run, the pass. But for us to say, you know, we can't do it, Jalen's gonna have to come all on you. Like Kaz mentioned, we saw that he was hurt, we saw the knee breaks. But for him to come in there and say, you know what, no matter what this team needs from me, I'm gonna come out here day in and day out and give that. A lot of great things to see. The one down thing that I would say came from this game is Jalen Carter with a back injury. He had an MRI today. The results are still unknown. But we're hoping that we can get him back healthy because, as the comments have been saying, and as everybody in the world knows, it is Dallas week. So we want to be full strength. Um, so the Eagles are playing well right now, like Sean Manson the number one team in the NFC. Uh, but we have to figure some things out. So we got some time, and we are, we're, we're now we just got to get healthy at this point. So once we get healthy and we continue to get this run game back going, we're going to be one of the best teams in the world. And hopefully we're back in Vegas. Cause Kevin got Airbnb booked. True. Sure don't want to beg.
2: Yeah. So uh, as, as the YouTube comment says uh, for our audio only listeners, our, our friend Julian says, what's up with the fellas?" and what's up with Kevin big week. As he put a little star emoji, uh, as Kevin mentioned uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys, I accidentally flipped off our background. So we went all black for a second. Um, nevertheless, eagles and cowboys play this week and joining us next week will be my friend mr rob bob Foltz, who is a diehard cowboys fan and uh either kevin will be getting paid or bob will be getting paid and we will hear that uh transaction live yeah there is no either show over
3: politics it's the Cowboys we're talking about
2: yeah well that is very true but i mean Rob has been going, like, he was going nuts yesterday when the Cowboys beat the, or when Cowboys beat the Rams and then the 49ers ultimately lost. He was like, oh, my team is five and two. Can't relate to a team having three losses. And, like, he was taking his victory lap, and I was just like, the thing I said to him is I was like, how does it feel for your team to have lost by 32 points to a team that proceeded to lose three games in a row? He's like, oh, don't want to hear it. Um, we have two losses. Kevin, I look forward to the Eagles handing the Cowboys their third loss this upcoming week. And it's funny because we've all been teams that
3: beat the Niners or not the Niners that beat the Rams, excuse me. And it's kind of just like, all right, you know, it's cool. The Rams, sub. It, it is what it is, but the Cowboys beat the Rams and it's, Oh my gosh, we saw what they did. If, if you really want to talk about it, they sacked Matthew Stafford one time. If he didn't stamp, jam his thumb into that dude's helmet, we might be looking at a different ball game, but, you know, credit off to them. They're doing their thing, and, and you know, they got to come into the link next weekend, so it's it's, it's got to get ugly.
2: It's going to be a good one, and I'm really looking forward to it, as now here on episode number 59 of Stats Over Politics, Sean Holco alongside Kevin Dent and Javon Toddy. We're going to get into our speedy recap for Week 8 in the NFL, not Week 7. Let me update the ticker real quickly. But anyways, Week 8 in the NFL – Thursday night, Javon, we saw the Bills beat the Buccaneers twenty-four to eighteen.
1: A weird game um, Thursday night. Bills coming off of a loss, I believe, to the uh, who they, they just lost to Patriots. Patriots, yeah. Weird loss to the Pats. Um, playing on Thursday night, short week. Um, so, um, and then the Bucks. You know, they are a team that. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, that I've been
0: kind of
1: <laughs> weirdly high on. Um, they are fair by, like, ten and a half, like ten points in this game. And then the uh, Bucks had a late uh, late game backdoor cover. Um, I don't think the game was really close, ultimately. There was a guy, I back by the game, um, who parlayed, picked this game because of he simulated, like, a Madden game. And based off of that, it was... He was like, Yeah, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick, (laughs) I'm gonna pick the Bills to win. And it was a very similar score to kind of like what the actual score was. So yeah, Bills win.
2: And the Jets defeated the Giants in the Battle of New Jersey 13 to 10. I'm gonna get into this one as for our audio only listeners. Kevin will be back in just a moment, as he had to take out the birthday boy blue to let him relieve himself. So Kevin will be back very soon. And I wanted to talk about this Jets thirteen to ten win in overtime against the Giants. Uh, as the thing that was really interesting about this one, Javon, is it seemed like the Giants were going to win it late, and oh. then Graham Gano shanked a field goal, loses it, goes to overtime. Jets win. But I, I don't bad. know if you <laughs> did you bet did you bet on the Giants or, or no?
1: I'm just your kicker not being able to make field goals. I, I felt that.
2: Yeah, that is, that's very relatable, a kicker not uh, being able to make a field goal. but uh, So that happened in this game. But the thing that I thought was really interesting about it, Javon, is that the Giants had fewer total passing yards with seven passing yards against the Jets yesterday. And Julius Randle on Saturday night had eight turnovers for the Knicks. So Julius Randle had four turnovers for the Knicks than the Giants had passing yards against the Jets that basically sums up this thirteen to ten win for the Jets. But hey, good on the Jets. Good on Bob Sala. They continue to win. I think they're at Bob five and Sala. three now. And so, congrats to to Robert Sala or four and three, excuse me. But still, they're keeping their head above water. So good for the set Jets the as record. they win. Or they almost yeah set the punt they record. almost set the punt runner record. Yes, exactly. That is another great stat to basically summarize how this game went. So, as Kevin now rejoins us, uh, the other battle that happened involving AFC East teams was the Dolphins defeating the Patriots 31-17. to The Dolphins are cooking, man. You know, we saw them. This was a, a real big game for them bouncing
3: back after this Eagle loss. We really saw them be one-dimensional, essentially. That we saw that their left guard went down. you have seen Jalen Waddell go down. So, just to see this team come back out there and get healthy, really... And not even getting healthy, they got Jalen Ramsey back. I know there was this big debacle all morning if he got to play. Adam Adam Schefter said he was going to play. He said it was cap. Twenty minutes later, he posted his little warm up or his summer workout video for him in his rehab. So he, he just he just it. wanted he yeah I he wanted to announce it. So Adam Schefter just ruined the video. But this defense is looking scary now that they have him back. Xavier and Howard's getting back. You have Bradley Chubb coming off the rush. This team is going to be phenomenal. They're getting uh, Devin Ed Chain back in a couple of weeks. So this team just has to continue to get healthy and this team can roll. And, you know, I have to speak up here for Gary, man. Tyreek Hill, best receiver in the NFL, man. For him yeah. to have a thousand yards through week eight, eight weeks for a thousand yards. There are people, <clears throat> Brandon, are you? Who barely scraped a thousand yards playing a full season? One missed tackle. I knew you were going to say, and that's that. nine hundred ninety-nine yards. <laughs> that one missed tackle changes. That's a payday. That's one missed tackle changes a whole career of someone's payday. So going on regardless about the Dolphins, the Patriots, man, the Patriots are the Patriots. I hate to see Bill Belichick go out like this. He's he's chasing this record, but like we talked about on past podcasts, he might have to chase that record in a different jersey.
2: All right, that, that, was the, that was the next question that I had for you was uh, whether or not the Patriots would actually fire him. I don't think that they would, but you know, it could be possible. And Kevin, I wanted to toss this one right back to you because this next game, um, I need you to speak for Gary again, but this game gets back to the little rivalry that you and Gary had in our first NFL season of Stats Over Politics as the Jaguars, Ducky Peas Jaguars, beat the Steelers 20 to 10, Kevin. Kentucky P.
3: Trevor Lawrence on games on the road this year. 1,052 yards, five touchdowns to one pick. Versus the Steelers, he went out there on the road. Is it still called Heinz Stadium?
2: No, it's called like Aperture, not Aperture, because that's like what you have when you're taking photos. It's called something. Okay, so no longer Heinz. So going into Pittsburgh, for them to go
3: 24, 32, 220, 292 yards, gives me, one touchdown, one pick. I stamped this man last week because I was a sleeper. Travis Etienne is a workhorse. There aren't really many workhorse running backs in the NFL that I couldn't even really think of when I was putting my notes together. But for him to run for 24 times for 79 yards, three catches for 70 yards, 23 yards per catch. And all offseason, they talked about Calvin really being that A.J. Brown, that Stephon Diggs. And this was one of the games that they traded for him for. This was the reason for him to go out there, six catches, 83 yards, 14 yards per catch. And this offense has more than just those two weapons. Evan Ingram has continuously been uh, one the, a, a sleeper for a top five, 10 tight end in the NFL. 10 yards, 10 catches for 88 yards, 9 yards per catch. And then Christian Kirk being the perfect one bead to Calvin really with four yards, four catches for 46 yards and 11 and a half per catch.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: See website for details. This team is flying, and they're playing at, they're playing well at a great time, and the AFC has some holes in it, and they're one of the top teams in there. So could they contend for the one seed? Well, we, we, only time will tell. But the Steelers. Mitchell Trubisky side. I know none of us thought we were going to see that on Sunday. 15-27, 128 yards, one touchdown, two picks. This run game has been abysmal. For all of you Najee Harris fantasy owners like me out there, you know, I'm sorry. Last week he got a touchdown. You know, you thought he was going to do something, so you started him in your lineup. Seven rushes for 13 yards, two yards per carry. Jalen Warren five carries for 19 yards, four yards per carry. The only bright spot in this offense has been the return of Deontay Johnson, who's been making play after play after play. But this team has a lot of holes in it, and this as as good as we want to say Mike Tomlin is, I don't know if he's going to be able to get them past that 500 mark because they're they're just struggling. It start with the quarterback play.
2: I completely agree. Thank you very much. I unfortunate for Kenny Pickett to get hurt in this game, but. Steelers quarterback being inadequate. I completely agree. Toddie, did you have something you wanted to say about that, or just letting out a, a
1: little um, noise? Had had the uh, Steelers on the par. he mm. goes down, couldn't I? <laughs> I was I was so like devastated to, for Kenny Pickett to go down. Usually people would be like, "Oh my God, our backups coming in," and guess who the backup is? Metro freaking Trubisky. All hope went out the out the window after that so um it's weird because um Kenny Pickett plays like this game where he doesn't show up until the fourth quarter and then just starts throwing dots to Deontay Johnson and Kenny Pickett or George Pickens that is and um the Steelers usually always somehow uh, T.J. Watts in some sort of turnover where that's getting an interception forcing a fumble creating a sack fumble on the quarterback, like he's always into something, who's probably the front runner for defensive player of the year. And then for Pickett to kind of go out early in the game, and now it's it's all all roads lead back to Mitch Trubisky. So it was just there was no hope after that. I kind of turned the game off after that and just it's over. You're dead. So shout out to
2: the – Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and to follow up on what the stadium name is, I, I was pretty close. Uh, it's called Akrisher. Sure. Uh Hinesfield is better, but anyways, that's I get. I guess that's what it's called. Anyways, Totti tossing it back to you. The Titans Evans team they beat the Falcons twenty eight to twenty
1: three. How about Will Levis,
2: the Mayo man. man, the Mayo mayonnaise man. and the Coffee Man. <laughs>
1: You gotta, you gotta give him some love, man. I mean, this is a guy um, whose girlfriend broke up with him. I don't know if it was after the draft, during the draft, or whenever that was.
2: It's because he wasn't a first rounder, and she hated sitting there. He didn't go.
1: He he didn't go first round. Um, and so now it's kind of just like, okay, is he ever gonna play? You know, I saw him a little bit in preseason, but you know me and how I would, how deceiving the preseason is. that led me to picking Jordan Love and the Packers win the division. That's another story for another day. Hey, but, man, you know,
3: it had me tough. picking the Steelers to make it playoffs. The but uh, the oh, so you bitch.
2: You, got, you well, guys are already no. jumping away from those takes. You're done with the I, Packers now, Toddy? I'm out, I'm out of there. I'm out of I
3: was done with right. the Steelers in week one got after the JB fight.
1: Gotta get away. Gotta get away. So um, I just think that um, we'll let the. DeAndre the <laughs> Hopkins, you have three touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, People, like, are saying, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is washed. He can't do this. Then, third. Kevin is probably saying. Kevin was saying before the season he's not a top-ten wide receiver. Yeah,
2: that was when we were doing the Devontae versus DeAndre discussion. It
1: it was kind of just like, okay, he's invisible out there. Because Brian Tannehill is the quarterback. He he doesn't have anybody that can throw the ball down the field. Um, And then this kid with a huge arm out of Kentucky um, starts slinging it down the field. Um, I mean, this this offense could look like something you got Derrick Henry back there running the rock. I mean, are we sprinkling Titans money line? I don't know, maybe that line. Um, or is this the clock's gonna strike midnight, Thursday night, the bright lights, everybody's watching? It's really just Tennessee. But or is this it's relaxed buddy? It's the Falcons. You got you can't really put too much stock in it, it's the Falcons. Um, this is a quarterback. I quarterback. You no, know, um, I think the Falcons' defense is is better than what most people like to give them credit for. But at the same time, I mean, one last time you've seen a rookie quarterback come in at first start throw four touchdowns. I mean, it's it's promising. Um, I think there's going to be some quarterback controversy in um, in Tennessee now. Um, from when Ryan Tannehill comes back and is healthy, do you kind of just rock with the kid? Um, I would, I mean, what, I mean, what other better options do you have right now? So, um, shout out to Will Levis. Um, I thought about putting them on the parlay, but I didn't, I was just a little too hesitant. It would, didn't really know too much, but, um, yeah, shout out to the Titans for getting the win.
2: Kevin, your Carolina Panthers got their first win of the season as they beat the Texans 15 to 13. So the battle of
3: number one pick versus number two pick. If everyone's been watching the podcast and knew who I was rocking with, when I saw this on the schedule, I said this was the game. The Panthers were going to regret not taking C.J. Stroud, and I was completely mistaken. This was a defensive battle. Um, One of the biggest standpoints that I took away from this game was C.J. Stroud just needs a number one guy. Even the Panthers have Adam Thielen for – Bryce Young and we're seeing Bryce Young become better and better and better now that they have established Adam Thielen being that number one guy we've heard the be in the trade market for yet another number one type receiver if the Texans can come in here and get a consistent guy that no matter what, he can throw it to. We're seeing that he's having a forceful. He's getting a lot of guys involved because they just don't have a lot of options. We saw Nico Collins really to start of the season both be doing very very well. Same with Tank Dell, and ever since then it's kind of been a roller coaster ride. Demico cool. Ryan gets this team up ready to play every week, so they're going to be in there every game. But for them to come down and lose to the Panthers was really a, a slap in the face to all the Texans believers because I had them say that they could possibly win the division, they could do A, B, C, and D, and for you to go out there and lose to a team that's going to contention for a top pick really you know, doesn't set them back. But everyone now says, well, they're the Texans, so we, we all knew this was coming at some point. But the biggest thing I took away from the Panthers' perspective is Chiba Hubbard has beat out Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders has essentially done nothing. I was talking to us about it. It's a, it's a big difference when you go behind Philadelphia's offensive line and then you go to the Panthers. It, it's night and day, and and it's being shown that Miles Sanders' production you know, has first 1,000-yard season, and now probably might not even crack 500. So it, it, it's definitely sad to see Miles Sanders go down. I have an Eagles jersey for Miles Sanders sitting in my closet, so it's always going to be love, but Panthers it might be the place where careers go to die.
2: Yeah, you know, that's a really great point. And I, I picked up Miles Sanders in our Stats Over Politics Fantasy Football League, thought it was going oh, to be him. a good pickup. Dropped him. Yeah. Well, I, I picked him up thinking that he'd be <laughs> a good pickup after I lost Nick Chubb and J.K. Dobbins to season-ending injuries. And I'm desperate for running backs. But as Kevin said, Chuba has taken over the lead running back spot in Carolina. So, Javon, the Cowboys, they beat the Rams 43-20 to in L.A.
1: This was another classic. Oh, the Cowboys—they're back. We're winning the Super Bowl game. If you look at the game, they got a blocked punt. They got, you know, pick sixes coming back. Now, let's give credit to Dak. He was uh, the connection with Ceedee Lamb is starting to pick up a little bit. I think Ceedee Lamb had two touchdowns game. Dak threw for three hundred four yards. Played outstanding in this game, you know, but it's the Rams, you know, three and five Rams. Um, Matthew Stafford did get hurt in this game. So um, how healthy were they? Um, You know, the Rams are very limited on defense besides, I mean, besides Aaron Donald, I bet you guys can't name two on on this, on this, uh, this Rams defense. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, it kind of was just, like, okay, where are the Ram sellers at the trade deadline and kind of just punt on the season? Um, you got some viable assets, you got Cooper Cup, you trade them, um, Aaron Donald, do you trade them, get some picks back, and just say, Fuck it, we have that good run, got a Super Bowl. Maybe fuck those picks, picks, maybe, maybe it's not fuck them picks anymore. So, um, I mean, if you get yeah. a ring
3: out of it, I mean, it, it was a success, exactly. I
2: would consider but, it worth it. I'd take it. So Three years of being be bad versus one Super Bowl ring. Fuck it.
1: Yeah, so I feel like mm-hmm. now they could—they're in that weird space. Like, do we start maybe start making calls a little bit? I mean, tread deadline's tomorrow. Like I said. Um, so, yeah, the Cowboys—they're—they're they're feeling good going into the link on Sunday Night Football. They feel like they're on oh, top of the world. They feel like they can beat anybody. And I feel like that's probably where the Eagles—they—we got them right where they want them. Right. So.
2: Hmm. Yeah that, that's what the Cowboys think. Uh but but anyways, uh Kevin the Vikings they defeated Javon's Packers 24 to 10, but the uh thing that is sad about this is that Kirk Cousins uh is out for the season. I believe it was it was a torn ACL or Achilles. Was it torn Ach- it was Achilles. Okay, so yeah. torn torn Achilles for Kirk Cousins and he's out for the rest of the season, which is really unfortunate, but the Vikings win 24 10.
3: So, you know, the Vikings are, you know, are in a fortunate position now that Kirk Cousins is gone, but they're also in a position to where they can contend for the playoffs. They're four and four. You lose your quarterback for the year, you lose Justin Jefferson for another at least three weeks. We heard them shopping Daniel Hunter, all their other kind of guys. What do they do now? Do, do they kind of stand still and say, let's compete? Do they tank? So, there's a lot of options that like we mentioned. The trade deadline's coming up. So are they gonna trade for a guy like Trey Lance, a Minnesota guy, you know, and let him and let him go out there and sling the ball, you know, see what he can do. They're gonna have to bring somebody in because I couldn't even tell you who the backup was. But he went in there and it's I hate to say this, but the Packers are just the Packers. You know, they have a, a really great defense, but this is the youngest offense in the NFL and it shows night in and night out. Jordan Love, we talked about a roller coaster ride with the Steelers and the Texans. They have one of their own. It is a roller coaster ride. Jordan Love, you know, you can't go out there and say he's a rookie because he's not a rookie. He sat behind Aaron Rodgers for four seasons. You saw the man win two MVPs, go to uh, two NFC Championship games, if I'm not mistaken. So you've seen the success, you've seen the blueprint. So now you just have to go out there and, and apply it. But this is one of the youngest teams in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if you know they're kind of uh, they're they're shoppers at the market because what are you playing for? you you're gonna have to end up paying uh, Jordan Love if he's the guy. Aaron Jones is getting up there in age. They have this amazing defense. So do they go all in and try to become buyers and bring in talent? Or are they gonna be sellers and just say, you know what, let's take our buy, let's take our losses. We got our first round pick back from the Aaron Rodgers trade because he didn't play 75% of the snaps. So let's just sit back and and let's bring in some more talent for Jordan Love and only add more young guys to the youngest offense in the NFL. So the Packers, uh Tidy's Packers, excuse me, are you know in shambles right now, but they're gonna have to figure it out because their division is not getting any easier.
2: Do you think the Packers need to move on from Jordan Love already like Manny thinks?
3: Not if it's pick 14-15. You only move on from Jordan Love if it's Ty's guy, Caleb Williams, Drake May, you know. Because you just got to go back right there to the same cycle you're going through now, you know. This guy knows the system. He knows the the OC. Everyone in the locker room already believes in him, so you don't have to go through the rookie pains. So if they're just going to continue to be bad, just continue bringing more talent around him. I don't think it's time to give up on him yet because, like I mentioned, it's only been one season. Aaron Rodgers wasn't that great in his first season. I'm not saying by any means is he going to be Aaron Rodgers, but this team, this franchise has had decades of great quarterback play. So they picked him for a reason. So I think they stick with him, but I wouldn't be surprised also if they were able to get, like I mentioned, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May.
2: Toddy, another one of your NFC teams, because uh not because you picked this team to win their division, because all of us did, but because you picked this team to go to the NFC champion or excuse me, Kevin, you picked the Panthers, so you didn't actually pick this team. But uh this team Toddy picked to make it to the NFC Championship game. That team being the New Orleans Saints that won 38 to 27 against the Colts. Before you go, Toddy, Jalen Johnson, Bears corner, just requested a trade.
3: Yeah, All right,
1: that. team, uh, we were interested in him, so uh, we'll see. That's a thing we're starting to shake up. Um, as far as the Saints go, I was—I got off the Saints, even though I texted the group and I said, "Guys, hear me out." Saints <laughs> minus two. Nobody said anything, so um, I was just, you know, very moved by how they when i just choose not to bet against them or bet on them they uh decide to shake up the world and they ended up covering the spread too so thank you Derek Carter for like 300 some yards we saw alvin Kamara, who um i think is a very underrated back one of my uh, my favorite running back in the league i think is one of the top running backs in the league period um he's starting to show out and um i feel like pretty much what i thought the saints should look like they looked like on sunday Um, just being able to spread the ball around Derek Carr can, you know, play up to standards and, you know, not play like shit. Um, this offense should be very, very good. I mean, I feel like they have the pieces. Their defense is really good. Um, why not? Right. So I just think if the Saints, you know, play at a high level now, they did play the Colts, um, who are playing a Beckham quarterback and Gardner Minshew, um, the, I guess the clock strike midnight on him um, You know, after the couple of games that he won. So, um, yeah, Saints win. And I picked them to win in my picks, but I did bet on them because I was just like, I, I can't bet on this team right now.
2: Well, the next game that I want to talk about, and I'm going to talk about this myself, is the Seahawks. They beat the Browns 24-20. Congratulations to the Seahawks accomplishing something that the 49ers couldn't do this season. Granted, it was on their home field. But the reason why I wanted to talk about this game is because at 5-2, and two, the Seattle Seahawks are now in first place in the NFC West. And I wore this shirt specifically, and this is why you need to tune in on YouTube, Twitch, or X, because Manny, I see you in the YouTube comments, so I know you're tuning in live right now. This shirt says this, the West is not enough division champions. This shirt was from the 100th NFL season in 2021. Also, let me correct myself from earlier. Uh, the 49ers started three and five in 2021, three and four in 2022. So I was thinking about the Rams game from a couple of years ago. Nevertheless, this shirt is from 2021 when the 49ers won the division. Let's not forget that they won the division again in 2022. And they're going to win the division again in 2023. Sorry, Manny. I know you got your hopes up. You're saying 12, baby, in the YouTube comments. Enjoy being a half game up in the standings on the 49ers. Because by the time the season ends, the 49ers are going to be division champions once again. And uh, Manny says for the YouTube audience, y'all about to F around and find out?
0: I Breaks. cannot
2: wait for that game. Because, Toddy, remind me, 49ers played the Seahawks three times last season right in Did the Seahawks win a game at all last season?
1: Last time I checked, 9-3-0 on Seahawks last year.
2: Last time I checked, New Year, baby. So they found out, and they're going to find out again this year. They just have to be humbled by Big Brother and Santa Clara every year. They had us 10 years ago, but Richard Sherman ain't walking through that door. Marshawn Lynch ain't (laughs) walking through that door. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb Williams, oof. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Anyways. I want to talk about that game because congrats, Seattle fans. Enjoy being a half game up on the 49ers for now. Enjoy leading the NFC West because, uh, Kevin, do you know what the NFL stands for? No fun league. That is very true. It also stands for not for long. So, Seattle, enjoy your uh, first place standing in the NFC West because it's not going to be there for long. Jayvon, the Ravens they beat the Cardinals thirty-one to twenty-four.
1: Um, I thought just Lamar. They got down, to, they were down 0 early, and I was never really worried about it. Um, I just think this Ravens team they're they're rolling right now. I think they're the best team in the AFC. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is on an MVP candidate run ra- um, run right now again for a second in his career. Um, I think once they get. Once they figure out a way to get Odell Beckham Jr. In the ball, I feel like this offense is going to unlock another layer and just achieve new heights because they're already um, – they're already uh, – when they get Mark Andrews the ball, good things happen. Um, he's scoring touchdowns left and right now. Um, probably want to put him on a player prop as of right now um, if you want to make a little bit of money on uh, who Lamar's going to throw the ball to as far as touchdowns go. But I think that, you know, this Cardinals team – they benched Josh Dobbs and I'm just like, well, why, what are, what are, what are they doing now? And the, what direction are they actually going? Um, they're trying to, you know, you know, you saw you're hearing Kyler coming off IR and practicing with the team. He's full participant in the practice. Um, his windows open three week window. Um, this is the second week that he's practicing, but haven't played. So i um, wondering when he, I think even next week, they announced that he's not going to play. So, um, probably after next week is he going to be ready to go? But what are they going to be like? What one and six, one and seven?
3: He's not coming back.
1: So I don't know, man. We'll see where or when he's going to play. But um, Cardinal team is feisty, but you know they they weren't really a match for the Rams or not the Rams the the Ravens at any at any point in time in this game.
2: Kevin, in an ugly Sunday night football game, the Chargers handled the Bears 30-13. to 13. So I'm not going to lie to you, fellas. Didn't tune into one second of
3: this game. I was Neither did I. In, I was down in all my fantasy games. Um, I knew Devontae Foreman, DJ Moore, Austin Eckler, and Cole Kmit were not going to win me any Super Bowl, any games. So I didn't tune in, but Austin Eckler had a hell of a game, so it's nice to see him kind of have his resurgence. Um the Bears are the Bears, man. You know, we saw the week two, or not the week two, last week, the Division two quarterback went out there and did his thing and led them to a victory against the Raiders. But like we just mentioned talking about earlier, the Raiders are the Raiders. So you, you take that with a grain of salt. So to, to see this team come out here and, and play this way uh, the from the Chargers perspective, you, you can't really know if you want to give them too much credit because two weeks ago we were talking about are they wasting uh, Justin Herbert's career. So I'm not gonna get too excited over them beating the Bears because the Bears, like I mentioned, are another team that are contending for the one and two overall pick. So they have no chance in winning. Um, so I'm just happy to. I'm just hoping that Justin Fields gets to come back and we get to see because he was playing really well before he left. I know, like Toddie mentioned, uh, for some reason on this podcast, once week come out here and say we are officially off the off the bandwagon. The next week they play great. Justin Fields has been playing great. Toddie, Saints have now played great. That now they don't have the the worry of Kevin and Toddy over their shoulder. They just play with so much stress-free football and they're going out there doing that thing. So, you know, hands off to the charges for beating the Bears, but it's the Bears. So we'll take it with a grain of salt.
2: That stats over politics pressure is real. But, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, it's the Bears. So, Toddy, the last game from the NFL in Week 8 was the game we just finished seeing about an hour ago on Monday Night Football as the Lions beat the Raiders 26-14. to And Devontae Adams looks like he's a prisoner in silver and black.
1: Yeah, you know, just Jimmy Garoppolo, he's pointing out there. He keeps pointing to, you know, whatever he's pointing at, it's it's not working. So um, I just think, you know, Devontae Adams didn't sign up for this. It kind of just all happened. Uh, He went to go play with his boy, Derek Carr, and then all of a sudden, you know, Derek Carr gets traded. He gets benched um and then uh, he gets cut right he didn't get traded he got cut by the raiders and then all of a sudden it's the jimmy garoppolo effect you're hearing you know things about him in camp you're kind of like hearing weird things about him and uh you know josh jacobs you're not really seeing what he was last year um and you know he sat out the majority of the year so it's uh it's very frustrating um from a Devonte Adams' perspective, because this is a guy that can get open at will, and he's pretty much open on any play. You could probably argue. Um, and then you know Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he threw for under 100 yards. I could be wrong. The last time I checked, it was uh, he was at like 62 yards for the, the whole entire game. Um, I thought this was the Jameer Gibbs game. Um, I have him in one of my fantasy leagues. A lot of fantasy owners are very um, Jameer Gibbs. Fantasy owners are very um, frustrated from his you know, carries and him not really getting the ball um, a lot and him not really being used right. And, you know, for him to come out and rush for over 100, I think 50 yards, having a touchdown, and then also being able to catch the ball at the backfield is the reason why he was drafted so high at 12. So, um, like I said earlier, the Lions are kind of showing you, hey, we're this, by the record, say we have the second best record in the NFC. And we're probably one of the best teams in the NFL, that's record-wise. So, um, congrats to the Lions. I mean, the Lions are are rolling right now. At least uh, they they bounced back after that that tough loss against um, the Ravens. So, shout-out to the Lions.
2: All right, Toddy. Well, now it's time for you to hand out some free money because we want to hear Vonnie's hotline. So, update the people on how you did last week, where you're standing overall, and then – Let's hear your uh, picks for this next week and uh, all the free money you're gonna be handing out.
1: I'm actually unaware of what my record was last week. I think I went four and.
2: So I, I know that two. I I know that I missed last week, but uh, after it was seven a weird weeks week last
1: week because of I had a whole bunch of basketball and stuff on there, so gonna have to go back.
2: So, just so you know when you go back, uh, after seven weeks, I had you at thirteen and fifteen. And so I think you now have the last two weeks to catch up on. We'll circle back so then we can know what Vonnie's overall record is. but uh, let, the wagons, let's hear. yeah, well, we, exactly. we we will circle the wagons. Um, and so as someone uh, figures out their car alarm, Thank Top, you to, to, thank you, thank you to them. Uh, anyways, let, let's hear about Vonnie's hotline for this week. What do you got cooking?
1: Um, so, um, very, very interesting week, but we are gonna circle back to the last, I think it was a week ago, to when um, we had uh, Philadelphia Eagles on the hotline. Hmm. Um, no hmm. week, we gotta go back, go back to the well. Eagles are minus three at home at the link against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night yeah. football. Waiting all day for Sunday night. So we we'll, I know the Eagles are green, but the only color that we see is green, and that's muddy over here. So we like winning over here. Um, and the Eagles do do that. So we're going to go with the Eagles on Sunday night football um, at minus three. Um, another game that I was kind of interested in is uh, there, there's a couple of good games on here. I like the I like the Ravens. Let's go Ravens minus five and a half over Seattle. Um, I just think that the Ravens are rolling, man. They're winning by um, more than two scores. Oh, more than two scores in most of their in the, their last two games. So um, they're just a tough team to beat right now, and I feel like that uh, they're going to be a tough out on Sunday. Um, so we're gonna go. We're gonna fast forward in the few fu- or rewind into the future because we went Sunday first, but um, Saturday, there's also some really, really good college football games. Um, one of those games include the LSU Tigers going on over to Tuscaloosa. Mm. Um, it's going to be a very, very tough game. Uh, last year, we remember that the game went into overtime and uh, the Tigers ended up uh, winning in, uh, in overtime. And man, it's just, it's just so tough to pick against Nick Saban, man. I don't know what you guys do, but, uh, betting against Nick Saban is not something I would advise at all. Um, but it's going to be a very, so we're, we're going to go with, uh, we're going to go with Alabama minus three here, um, over LSU at home. And we're not going to look back. We're not going to look back at all. <laughs> uh, I I trust in Nick Saban, and I think um, Jalen Milrow. His uh, downfield passing has been um, one of the the top in the in the entire country, according to PFF. Um, but you know, he's been a guy that's kind of been getting picked on of you know his accuracy and how how well he actually can be with throwing the ball downfield. But he's been he's been actually playing. Uh, fairly well. We're gonna rock with uh, Millrow and the Crimson Tide on Saturday night. So, um, the next game I'm probably gonna bet on Saturday is man. Um, we're gonna go Kentucky over Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State is god awful organization, piss poor organization. That I like to say on this on this show. Um, I think. Uh, Kentucky, they're going to bounce back off of a tough loss at home um, from Tennessee, and um, I think uh, I think uh, Devin Leary is going to be able to find Barry on Brown in the end zone, and I think that uh, Ray Davis kind of gets going in the in the run game. I don't think he they really got him going this past game against Tennessee, and that was probably the key focus of the game. So we're going to rock with Kentucky here. Uh, Kentucky money line at minus one seventy over uh, mississippi state now um due to the fact that we do have um basketball games going on now i'm going to start adding a little bit of hoops on the old hotline so we're going to start adding more games on there um right now it, I can't wait, and when college starts, it's gonna it's gonna get even even crazier. So we're gonna start adding college basketball games on there. And people, are gonna, I'm gonna have a whole bunch of degenerates betting on college basketball with me. So go so, do. Uh, <laughs> um, tomorrow we have. We're just gonna do straight picks here. Um, tomorrow we got the Suns at the Spurs. I'm probably gonna wrap with the Suns here. Um, Suns will probably be a minus 240 favorite. Um we'll just probably take the Suns on the money line here. Um I don't think Beal or Booker's going to be playing, but I still think they'll be good enough to beat the Spurs at home tomorrow. Um and then the the second game that I'm probably going to add um I'm going to rock with the Clippers here. Um uh Clippers over the Magic, Magic are playing right now against the Lakers. Um, it's probably a game that Kev keeps looking at in the background.
3: Yes, sir. Um,
1: so, you know the score of that game, by the way? If you want to give it to me.
3: i want to say it's ninety-eight ninety five magic. Okay. Uh, I, can, I can fact check that for you.
1: But um I think the Clippers probably I'll take I'll take the magic on the spread. Um I think the magic
3: 196 got... magic.
1: 196 magic, got you. Um I'll take the magic on the spread here. They're uh they're plus seven. Um I think Van Carroll and those guys have been playing pretty well. Franz Wagner have been playing pretty well. So I'll take the magic and the spread here. They'll probably lose, but I don't think they lose by more than seven points. So um, recap, we have the Ravens plus – or Ravens minus five five and a half on Sunday. Um, And then I'm taking the Eagles minus – the Eagles minus three um, on Sunday Night Football. And then we have Alabama minus – Three um, on Saturday night against LSU, and then also have the uh, the Kentucky Wildcats over the Mississippi State Bulldogs at minus one seventy. And then we have the Suns money line tomorrow night. Um, don't know what that that line isn't out yet, but um, it's probably going to be like minus two forty, minus two thirty ish. That's probably what I'm what I'm guessing. And then uh, we're going to take the Magic plus seven against the Clippers tomorrow night. So got a six-game uh, lineup, and it's going to be uh,
3: money, 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 money. money.
1: So it's going to get very interesting.
2: Yeah, and uh, please do total up, circle back, total up that record so the audience can just hear how well you've been doing because yes kevin kevin and i we ain't bullshit like toddy's handing out free money he's hitting right. on like at, at least half of his picks and so if you just do single bets and you don't put it all on a parlay because if he has a five parlay one at week, your
1: own risk guys parlay at your own risk. yeah
2: parlay your own risk because he can have a five in one week but if, if you got the one wrong pick all on the same parlay then that's going to tank the whole ship when you can make six individual bets, win five individual bets, and then yeah, you lose one, but you know, you can't get everything right. Well, Toddie's handing out free yeah, exactly. Can't win them all. The 49ers know that very well, and uh Toddy, he uh is handing out free money. So, we'll we'll find out the overall record next week on episode number 61 of Stats Over Politics. I say 61 as we're here on episode 59 because if you missed it, we now have NBA episodes every Friday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Took last week off. The Kings game was going on on ESPN. And so we'll be back again this Friday for our NBA episode of Stats Over Politics. And then back again next Monday for the NFL. But before we go, here on episode number 59 of Stats Over Politics, Sean Holko alongside Kevin Dent and Javon Toddy. Gary Singh is out sick this week, but hopefully he'll be back on either Friday or Monday. Before we go, Kevin, it's time for your favorite segment, being fact or cap. Jeez, 59
3: episodes, fellas. Where does time go? 59 episodes. This just, just still crazy to see. So, Sean, I'm going to bring it to you first. Fact or cap? Ryan Tannehill has played his final game for the Titans.
2: Hmm. I'm going to probably go with Cap on this one. I think that Will Levis, the mayonnaise and the coffee man, will regress a little bit, and then the Titans will think, okay, do we have a shot at winning the AFC South? Do we put the veteran back in there? However, DeAndre Hopkins seems like he will now be an advocate for Will Levis, and so if, if Levis can keep up the level of play that we saw from him against the Falcons, because as Toddy talked about earlier, it was the Falcons, so I'm not sold. And so for not being sold on a one-game sample size, I'm going to say this is cap, but it's highly possible, and I could be wrong. All
3: right, Toddy. I'm going to bring it to you next. You mentioned some quarterback controversy possibly in Tennessee, so factor cap. Ryan Tannehill has played his last game from Titan
1: Titans. I think um... – it's uh it's very um it's tricky it's very tricky you have a a rookie quarterback who showed his ass on sunday throwing for four touchdowns over almost 300 yards um it's it's gonna get ugly man if this guy wins on thursday night football i think that it's gonna get dicey and he's thrown for the same amount of touchdowns as um He's throwing for the same amount of touchdowns as uh uh Will or not Will Levis, uh Ryan Tannehill all season, pretty much. And it's kind of just like, okay, well, if he just came in and we're eight games into the season <laughs> and he's got the same amount of touchdowns, I don't know how you, Ryan Tannehill comes back and if he if Will Levis duplicates what he did on Sunday, on Thursday night, if they win and he throws for let's just say he throws for like 250 he only, he throws for one touchdown, but no turnovers. I think that's good enough for him to keep the job. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say fact. I think Will Levis is going to start the rest of the year. And I'm pretty sure that um, Evan is rooting for Will Levis and most Titan fans are probably rooting for Will Levis to do good um, on Thursday night football because they've seen what Ryan Tannehill is and that ship has sailed. And I think that um, the sky's the limit for this kid and Will Levis, the mailman. man.
3: The mailman. man. Factor cap, Ryan Tanhouse played his final game for the Titans. I'm gonna say facts. And the reason I'm going to say facts is because coming into this draft process, I told Toddy and he laughed in my face. I said, Will Levis, you gotta be top three, top four. And he laughed at me. He said, Who's Will Levis, Kevin? Who's who's Will Levis, Kevin? I said, Todddy, do your homework. Will Levis he can go. He can go – for him to go out there and go over 238 yards and four touchdowns, like Toddie mentioned, Ryan Tennant has only thrown for two touchdowns all season. So for him to do that, Will Levis, to do that in his first – on his first half, to go out there and throw two touchdowns, just shows how much his impact is to this offense. We saw Derek Henry get going. 22 attempts for 101 yards, 4.6 yards per run. This run gets – more serious when they're able to have a legitimate passing game. We've seen versus the Saints when the Titans just – just Ryan Tannehill just throwing the game away. We've seen over and over and over that Ryan Tannehill, excuse me, has been holding this team back. So for them to get fresh blood in there, for him to see it, a, you have to see it. You have to visualize it. It's one thing to see it in camp and in practice, but for him to go out there on national television and do it and to have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins doesn't make things a lot harder. So I'm going to have to say fact. And then also I'm going to say fact because Ryan Tannehill could be traded. We saw Kirk Cousins go down. We saw we now here in the Desmond Ritter, Tyler Heineke debate. So why not just get your losses off and lose it for something? You know, go ahead and trade him for a third, fourth. He's a veteran quarterback. He's been through an AFC Championship game. We've seen the highs and lows through Ryan throughout Ryan Tannehill's career. So I wouldn't say he's washed up just yet, but his time in Tennessee might be up, unfortunately. So Toddie. I'm going to bring it to you next. I told you guys to come prepared with your top three NFL MVP. So, Tyler, I'm going to take it to you first. Factor yes. cap. The NFL MVP will not be given to a quarterback for the first time since 2012.
1: Um, That's very, very tough. Um, I think it's – man. It's When was the last time the guy or the guy that won MVP was not a quarterback? It's, uh, 2012. 2012. Who was that? Who won in 2012?
2: Adrian Peterson.
1: That's right. AP. All day won it. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to say Cap. Um, I think what I would do is my top three. I think it's um, Lamar Jackson. Tyreek Hill is probably in there. Bro, AJ Brown has been on an entirely different universe. I swear to God, like if Tyreek Kill isn't having the historic season that he's having right now, AJ Brown would probably be like the best receiver in the league. Um, I think he's been playing otherworldly. Um, it's, bro, it's it's insane. So, I'll, my my top three MVP race is probably. Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, honorable mention, A.J. Brown and Christian McCaffrey. So a lot of guys that don't play quarterback are in my MVP race right now.
3: All right, Sean, i will bring it to you next. Factor cap, the NFL MVP will not be a quarterback for the first time since 2012.
2: It's a fact. I'm not going to overreact to what I just saw in the last four weeks because – if we, if we take it back four weeks ago after week four when the 49ers were 4-0 and Christian McCaffrey had like 11 touchdowns through four games and was doing things that only Jim Brown and Barry Sanders have done, yeah, the 49ers are 1-3 and three in their last four games. But Christian McCaffrey has continued to score a touchdown at least one in every single game. And so if the 49ers can get right after the bye week, Let's say they go seven and one and I'm I, I get it, I'm being optimistic, but if they go seven and one after the bye week, finish the season around 12 and 4, 12 or 13 and 4, 12 and five somewhere around there. If Christian McCaffrey continues putting up those stats, I think he has a great case to be the NFL MVP and Jayvon mentioned another great name, Gary's guy, Tyreek Hill. he. Is really asserting himself as you mentioned earlier, Kevin. A thousand yards through eight games, not even Brandon IU could do that. So he's putting himself up there. And so, to me, I'm gonna be optimistic and I'm gonna say it's a fact for once we finally have an NFL MVP that's not a quarterback for the first time in over 10 years. If it doesn't happen this year between the two guys I just mentioned then it might be time to just change the award to best quarterback and then Offensive Player of the Year could continue to go to the best skilled position player. So long explanation, but I'm going to say it's a fact. Fact or cap
3: the NFL will be a non-quarterback for the first time since 2012. And, Sean, I'm all in. I'm going to say fact because before, like Sean mentioned, before week four – the top two candidates were non-quarterbacks, and Tyreek Hill and Chris McCaffrey. Like we've been mentioning, all podcasts, all offseason, Tyreek Hill is coming in and dominating. He's on pace for 2,000 yards. If you have a receiver with 2,000 yards and they're not not one, the top two in the category for MVP, what, what are we really looking at? Like, I get everything is a dependable position, and at the end of the day, the quarterback is the most valuable because you don't have a quarterback, you can't throw the ball. But if you don't have any receivers, your quarterback can't throw the ball. So they go hand in hand. But like Toddy mentioned, Mr. A.J. Brown, top three in the league, and he's not number three. And on any, other, on any other Sunday, he might be number one. 939 yards, five touchdowns, 18 yards per catch. Just broke, just set the NFL record for six-plus games with 125 yards receiving plus. A.J. Brown is playing on a phenomenal level, and if it wasn't for Tyreek Kill, like Toddy mentioned, I'd be coming on this podcast, screaming from the hills, saying A.J. Brown is the best receiver in the NFL. There's just so much talent. CMC can come back and make a make a late push for it. So I, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't want to put it past them. You know, I'm all in for, you know, maybe a defensive player winning it. But I, if it's not A.J. Brown or Tyreek Hill, it, it, I think it's going to be a quarterback. But I'm going to go all in and say that these receivers could be on pitch 2,000 yards. And if we have two 2,000-yard receivers, can you really give it to a quarterback?
2: Yeah, I think that that's a great way to put it. And the answer would be no, or at least I hope not. Because if they do, like I said, just change the awards. Like You can have your best quarterback, and then Offensive Player of the Year could go to the best skill position player. Because if, like you said, if you have a running back and a wide receiver, each who accomplish those statistics, even in a 17-game season, I just don't... like. Unless a quarterback just lights the world on fire and through the rest of the season, then I I don't see uh, how it it couldn't happen. But, you know, uh, another player that Jayvon mentioned was Lamar Jackson, former MVP, former unanimous MVP, and he could be building a case for himself right now as well. And for years, people, uh, ignorant people, called Lamar Jackson a running back. So maybe if Lamar Jackson wins the NFL MVP again, it could be a little asterisk that no, a quarterback did win it again, but Lamar Jackson is a playmaker. Um, so anyways, that is going to do it for episode number 59 of Stats Over Politics. Make sure to give us a like on YouTube. It helps us a lot. And if you enjoy the show, uh, then hit like and subscribe at Stats Over Politics and on X at Stats or Politics. Make sure to subscribe, or and review on all podcast platforms. And if you're enjoying the show, Give us five stars. We'd really appreciate it as you've been tuned in to episode number 59, Stats Over Politics. For Von Vontotti, Kevin Dent, and our guy Gary Singh, I'm Sean Holko. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on Friday for NBA Friday. See you all then. Later. Like the motherfucking